0: Good morning, Christ Central Church. Man, grateful to be up here. You know why I love our pastor Dan? He he was praying for me and he said, Lord bless Coop. And then he said, oh, Chris, you, you know, that lets me know of our friendship, man. Um, I pray that you're excited today. Um, that praise team was singing. Uh, it's God's breath in our lungs. So we'll We'll give our praise to him. I'm grateful that God breathed the breath of life in us, man, so that we can come here this morning and fellowship with one another. So um, my name is Reverend Chris Cooper. I'm the campus minister at North Carolina Central uh, University. Um, And today I'm going to give you the bread of life. And as we all do here at Christ Central, we stand. I'm going to be coming from Isaiah 64th chapter. And I'll be reading verses 1 through 9. And it reads, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountain might quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, and that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down the mountains and quaked at your presence. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness. Those who remember you in your ways. Behold, you were angry and we sin. In our sins, we have been a long time. And shall we be saved? We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls upon your name, who rousts himself to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us, and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please look, we are all your people. The word of God tells us that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out the mouth of God. Let us pray. Father God, just thankful for all you have done for keeping us throughout the night, for allowing us to come and fellowship with you today. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, do the work you are designed to do. Lead us and guide us into all truth. Bring into remembrance those scriptures when we seem to be low. Holy Spirit, soften the hearts of men so that the word of God may be firmly rooted in our hearts so that we may be a tree producing fruit for your glory and not our own glory. Father God, put Chris Cooper behind the cross and let your glory show forth. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. As we look upon Isaiah 64th chapter in the beginning, we have to come to an understanding that within this context, God's covenant people is dealing with a catastrophe. They're dealing with a hard situation. At this very moment, God's people are under subjection to the Assyrians. Even though God's covenant people has a king, even though they are well represented, their king is subject to the king of Assyria. He doesn't really have no power. They're actually dealing with Assyria taking their riches, their gold, and putting individuals through stressful situations. At this very moment, God's covenant people are in a bad place. So while being in a bad place, we see that these first two, these verses that we see is actually connected to chapter 63, and God's covenant people are praying for mercy. They are in prayer. And we see that there is a remnant of people. And what we mean by remnant is a group of people who have been through a catastrophe, who are still faithful, who are still committed, who are still loving on the God of Abraham. Even though they've been through some things, even though they've been through some struggles, even even though they have gone through so much, they still say, God, you are my God. I don't know about you, but in 2020, I feel like we've been subject to some things that has been causing heartache and pain, that has been causing isolation, that that has been causing us to feel a little uneasy. Whether it's loneliness, whether it's joblessness, whether it's hopelessness, all of us have been dealing with some things in 2020 and, and just saying, God, we need you. So as they're praying, man, we, we realize in the first couple of verses, they, they are praying to a God of power. They, they are praying to a God who, who comes and delivers them. They, they are praying to a God whose tangible presence is there with them as they say, oh, that you would. Rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence. And, and they let us know that we need a God um, to make our name known to our adversaries. They, they are directly correlating their God to the old days, to the days where it used to be. Maybe in Exodus, 30, Exodus 34, where he came down and gave them the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai, and his presence was there. They said, God, we need your presence. We, we need to feel you. We need that God like before who was with us, who we could feel, who we could feel like we could touch. We feel like our hearts was full. Father God, we need that God right now. See, I don't know about you, but been going through some things. In my life, in this present moment, in, in dealing with changes and all of that, sometimes I just wonder, God, where are you, God? Why can't I feel you, God? How, how come it seems like your, your presence is not tangible? I, I can't touch you. I, I feel so hopeless, God. Uh, we've all been there. We've all been in that moment and we all need to pray the same prayer of mercy that's seen in the scripture right here. We can relate to God's covenant people. We can relate to the remnant because we're all going through something that's subjecting us and making us struggle. God, I need you to come down off the mountain right now. And I need the earth to quake because I need to feel you. I I need to feel you. And and as they're asking for that, there's an important moment in the text where the people of God realize that, that wow, we remember this, there's a, a moment where we are going to have to wait for God. And it's in the fourth verse where, where he says, From of old no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God beside you who acts for those who wait on him. Who waits for him. See, a part of Christian growth, a a part of us growing in the character of God, a, a part of us, you know, waiting on him, a part of us actually getting the tangible presence of God is that he requires us to wait. And it's hard when you have to wait on him. It's hard when you don't feel him and you feel like he's not there and you're going through some struggles. It's hard to actually sit around and say, you know what? I trust you so much, God. I I know you're going to be there like you was before that I actually sit here and wait till you get here. I don't know about you, but in waiting, sometimes I fall off. I falter. See, I recognize that, that, you know, in waiting, I, I use the example of myself. Now, we've all just went through Thanksgiving, right? But during Thanksgiving, whoever is cooking, you know, you're usually in the presence of, I know I am, I was in the presence of my wife. And, and I realized that, you know, while I seen her cooking, you, you have to wait until the finished product happens. But I realize it's two kind of waiters, right? It's the individual who waits, they go about their day, you know, they they watch TV, they're chilling, they're in great anticipation, and they're just like, when it's here, it's here, I'm good, and then when you get to the meal, you're satisfied. But then it's another person who's waiting, the person like me. I'm too antsy. Like, I will go in the kitchen and I'm looking under pots. I'm I'm going around trying to see what's in the oven, how it's being made. I can't cook, but I just want to make sure everything is correct, is right. So when it gets to that time, you know, I'm able to eat it and it's good. But what it also makes me realize is in those very moments, I'm the one who's impatient and annoying at times. Right? My wife was like, get out the kitchen. And I'm like, nah, I just need to, I just want to see. See, the question is, how do we wait on God? Are we the person who trusts in him, who relaxes, just sits there and lets everything work them things out and know that it's good when it's over with? Or are you like me, the impatient person, the person who's kind of annoying, have to be here and there. And you quickly realize that, man, this is not helping the cause. See, what does the Lord say while waiting on him? He tells us in Psalms 130 in the the fifth verse that I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word, I hope. He lets us know while waiting we should be in his word and through the word of God while reading it, we have hope for what's to come next. In Lamentations 3rd chapter, 25th through the 26th verse, it says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the soul who seeks him, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I don't know about you, but right now, in our current situation, with the current changes, with the current problems, man, I'm impatient, and it seemingly gets away from God, and I need to be saved. I need to wait for the salvation of the Lord. See, while waiting, Isaiah tells us, when we get to the fifth verse that, hey, he meets him who joyfully works righteousness, and those who are remembering your ways, right? Behold, you are angry and we sin. And in our sins, we have been a long time. And shall we be saved? They recognize in their waiting period man, I've sinned. I've gotten to the point where I'm impatient. I've gotten to the point where where I forgot about being faithful to you. I've I've gotten to the point where I'm struggling. And we see it all throughout the sixth verse. We all become like one who is unclean. Our righteous deeds are like polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf. Our iniquities like the wind. It takes us away. (laughs) When we're waiting on the Lord... And we get frustrated and, and we start getting impatient and we start realizing and doing things to keep us busy. We, we start getting away from reading God's word. We, we actually start, you know, dwelling in our isolation and then in our loneliness. We realize that that sin is separating us from Him, it, it's causing us not to put Him first. It's causing us not to get deep down, firmly rooted, and and, and become closer to God. But what it is doing is we're being like the leaf in our iniquities. We're getting pushed away in every wind and doctrine. We're going one way to the next, and it seems like we can't just stand firm in God. Because waiting is hard. And I don't know about you, but many times I feel like that. Am I worth being saved, God? God. How can I be saved? How can I get to the point where I wait on you, trust on you, and know the salvation of the Lord is coming? How can I get to the point where I feel like I'm in right connection with you? God, I need you. But but how do I get there, God? See, at this very moment, this text is pointing us to Jesus Christ, the greatest gift of all. See, what I love about God the Father is he knew just like the covenant people, just like the remnant people there who wanted the God of old age, the God, the one who showed up, wanted his tangible presence, that there would become a time where they would have to wait and they wouldn't feel him. They would get impatient. They they would dwell in their loneliness. They, They would separate from him. And then he brought his son, the greatest gift of all, in Jesus Christ to bring hope. He said, I know you're gonna be hopeless. I know you're gonna be impatient. I know you're gonna have struggle, but I brought Jesus Christ, the savior, who, who was born to this world so that you may be saved. And, I, and I'm putting him on the cross to die for your sins. Jesus Christ died for those moments. He died for those inconsistencies. He died for those points where you feel like you can't feel the presence of God. He died when you felt worthless. Jesus Christ died just for you and brought you back in right relationship with God the Father. In Colossians 1st chapter 19 through the 22nd verse, it says, For him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven, make peace by the blood of his cross. And you who was once were alienated and hostile in mind, you were separated, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. He knew that no matter what good deeds you did, No matter how much you thought you could hold out while waiting on him. No no matter how much you faltered, no matter how much you struggle, he knew you needed Jesus Christ to be put back in right relationship, cleansed by the blood of the lamb so that you could rest easy and in assurance to knowing that you still have connection with God the Father, whether in the moments when he shows up to the mountaintop and, and you see the cloud and it's like, God, I feel you, or whether in the moments where you and your and you like, God, I can't feel you. Guess what? You have a son named Jesus who's there. If you rest in him, you can know and be assured that God is right there with you. That he is right there with you in that very moment. So now we know we can read verses 7 through 8 with such encouragement. With such great joy because it says, but now, O oh Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. And you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. See, because Jesus Christ being our Savior, because he's the one who came and scooped us up and and he said, I know you and your righteousness is not enough, but me and my righteousness is. Because he reconciled you back to the Father. We can say, a Father, I'm a part of you, and we can rest in the fact that, hey, we are the clay, that we are just some made-up dirt. You know, we, we we ain't got it all together and God as the potter and we're just in his hands and he's working it out and he's crafting us and molding us into what we need to be in Jesus and he's saying, I'm making you look like me so that when the day comes, you will be in my presence forever and guess what? You will look like my son because be ye holy for I am holy. Because of my son's righteousness, I recognize you, I got you and I'm the author and finisher of the faith. And I'm telling you, the finished product is going to be beautiful. So now we can rest in his hands and know that he has it all together. And then it says, be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not my iniquity forever. Behold, please look, we are all your people. Oh, what I'm grateful for is that God, he's slow to angry, but his mercy endureth. Forever. So even if it feels like he's mad at you in this very moment, his mercy endured forever and we can say, hey, you are my God. And because you are my God, we know that we are your people. We can rest assured that God's grace, God's love, God's mercy, God's peace covers you because of the cross of Christ. So I end with this. I know it's hard. I know you want the God of old. You want the tangible presence. You want the God that's a fire by night and a cloud by day. You want want the God that just shows up at the mountaintop and lets your enemies know who he is. You, You want that tangible presence back. God, I need that. But guess what? Many times in life, we, we do need that, but there's periods of waiting. You you wait on the Lord, and during that time, yes, you're going to struggle. You're going to have faults. You're going to have times where you feel like no matter what you do, you feel like you're not holy enough, like you're not righteous enough. But there is a Savior in Jesus who came for those moments that brought you back in right relationship with God, that all you have to do is confess your faults. He is faithful and just, and he will forgive you of your sins, and then you can Rest, hallelujah, as the clay in the potter's hands, and he will continue to mold you. He will continue to guide you. He will continue to lead you until that day when you are going, and you can say, you are my God. And because of that, we are your people, and we know you love us. Rest in the Father's hands today. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, just just grateful, man, hopeful, and encouraged, Father God. Encourage at the fact, Father God, that you understand us, Father God. That in the time of waiting, Father God, in the time of knowing our struggles, our, our past and things, Father God, in the time where it seems like we're walking off the beating path, Father God, you sent your son because you knew we would deal with those things. We're grateful for Jesus because He's brought us peace, he brought us joy, he brought us love, Father God. We're grateful that he put us back in right relationship with you, Father God. And we're grateful at the fact that till this day, he gives us a hope beyond all hope, Father God, when things seem hopeless, Father God. He gives us love beyond all love, Father God. When we see so many hateful things, Father God, we're grateful that we can still call on you and rest assured in knowing that you are making us like your son, Father God. and, And you love calling us your people. Father God, let us be assured and and rest in your peace. Father God, we love you, we need you, and, and we're just so grateful for your mercy. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.